Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Good morning, happy new year, happy 2020, leave 2021 in the rearview mirror to everybody here that's watching the show today. Um, what the hell am I doing on a live stream at 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning? Um, reason being is I've been kicked out of the house because I've been too loud today. I've been too loud this morning, marching around the house, waking up the child and stuff. So I was told, go get lost for an hour. And uh, so I found myself inside here and every day's day, I haven't done a Brentford preview yet. And uh, obviously we play Brentford tomorrow in... Uh, a game that I'm really, really looking forward to considering the the truncated lead, um, Chelsea game that we had and then also the Leeds match being um, being postponed earlier on in the week. Uh, and there's a small bit to talk about, I suppose, with regards to this game. Uh, specifically, I think really one of the biggest things is that uh, Stephen Gerrard is now back, is going to be back in the dugout to his press conference yesterday. He said quite a lot of, lot of good things, I think, things that fans will want to hear specifically or I suppose more so around around who's going to be available for the game at the weekend and uh, and he, he spoke at length I suppose really about about what the month of January is going to going to going to entail but not going to go into the transfer stuff we're going to be talking about transfers who are blue in the face for the next 30 days um but today we're going to keep it towards Brentford and obviously we're playing against the Brentford team that have came out of the traps at the start of the season you know they were flying it they hit the ground running a lot of the early, uh, or a lot of the points that they've got, ha- were were on the board early, and um, they have had a little bit of lull in form over the last ten games. They've won two, drawn two, lost six. So you know when we look at some of the teams that they've lost against as well, it's a it, it's an interesting kind of smorgasbord of uh, of of teams that they've played. But the teams they've lost to have been Burnley, Norwich. Spurs, Chelsea, Brighton, and City. So it's it's a mix and pick 'em really of 
uh, of of the you know you know of the teams in the league. It's not like you know over the last ten games that they've they've just been consistently playing top six or top ten teams. You know they've lost the teams or teams that is uh, in 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 the bottom three in Burnley and and, and Norwich and. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game tomorrow, specifically when we look at how they played against against Man City. And we will look at, at, at some of the things that they, we will discuss or talk about some of the things that they did against Man City. But let's talk more so to start off about Steven Gerrard and look at look in-house first. So as I mentioned, it's great to see him back and doing press conferences again and speaking. Um, every time I listen to him speak, I just he's he just seems measured. You know, he seems measured, and what he says is what he means. I don't think there's any smoke blowing a lot of the time with uh, with Stephen Gerrard, um, and and you know he kind of just looks down the pipe at, at people when they ask him questions and, and answers them honestly. And sometimes the answer might be very milk toast, and it might have have an awful lot of in depth uh, meaning or or top or sorry, not thought, but in depth meaning or in depth. There might be a lot that you can pull from it, but maybe that's just what, like like when I look at it, that's just what he feels like. Sometimes questions that the, the managers get asked are completely, you know, um, irrelevant. They they solicit an irrelevant answer, and I think that I think that he just he plays that media game quite well uh, at the moment. You know, he's still in the honeymoon period. I think with regards to that, we'll see when um, what what happens as it goes along. But every time I every time I hear him speak, I, I feel that you know you can understand why he's been such a good ambassador for Liverpool for. For so long, and 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 I'm just very very thankful that he's he's continuing that with Aston Villa, and he's speaking so well and so clearly, and he's got clear communication about things as well. Um, although I would have liked him to name a couple of players or name a couple of positions that we were looking for, but he does know how the game, uh, the game works, and he said that the reason he wouldn't do that is because his phone would probably blow up from agents ringing him, um, if he was to divulge the the areas that he was looking to strengthen in, um, but he spoke about. He spoke a bit about the team in general and who we have. And there was some good news, I think. There was some good news in, from from the point of view that he mentioned that more or less everybody except Bailey and Akamba will be in and around, will, will, be ha- will have an opportunity to to start or to play or be involved um, at the week, uh, tomorrow. And he did mention that Ashley Young has got a broken toe. Um, and that that might be something that might keep him out of the game. Um, you know, it might be something that means he might have to start in a bench or something like that. But realistically, I think we can weather the storm of letting Ashley Young, uh, you know, maybe take a day off if needs be. Um, because we do have players that can play in that number 10 position that can come in there. And yes, he is an old head and he has played well when he's come in there and he's been very, very steady um, since Jared has taken over. But uh, if you've got a broken toe, you've got a broken toe. And I don't think he's someone that we need to rush back, uh, rush back into the fold for sure. Um, he mentioned as well, like he was very, very cautious to, to preface everything with this is the way it is today, which was yesterday, and that there was COVID testing to be done. Um, I think there's COVID, I think the COVID testing has been done today. So I will be as worried as all hell if I start getting notifications from at AVFC official on Twitter. Um, if they start popping up throughout the course of the day today, they will be met with nervous trepidation to see if anybody has tested positive. I hope nobody does, as we've done a good job in kind of curtailing what could have been a pretty nasty outbreak. We've done a good job in curtailing that um, over the last few weeks. Um, I know we did have an outbreak, but you know we didn't have the 19, 20, 21, 22 players uh, down with it um, that other teams have had. Not that we know of, anyway. 
um, which is always good to see, you know, those mitigation factors. And look, whatever side of the coin you come down on with regards to it, I don't want to see games cancelled. So I want to see our players out there in the field and I want to see our players out there in the field 100% fit. So if it means going back into those protocols and those bubbles and so so on and so forth, then I'm all for it uh, because it's it's really just about Aston Villa um, and Aston Villa getting points on the board and uh, getting points on the board in early January would be good because we didn't have a very, very good January last season. And uh, we need to we need to kind of build, I think, upon the good start that Stephen Gerrard has had. Um, Stephen Gerrard as well in, in the press conference, I liked what he said about the workload of, of players. Uh, I think the way I think, and I'm going back and I'm speaking an awful lot about Gerrard at the moment. And yes, we will get on to Brentford, Brentford, but we, I, I just think there was a lot in this press conference, and he and he dealt with a lot of topics very, very well. Uh, he spoke very, very well about Thomas Franks, and he spoke very well about Brent, Brentford players in specific. Uh, Henry uh, Rico Henry, who won't be playing at the weekend, and uh, Sergei Canos. Um, who he said he knows from being at Liverpool. I, I didn't even know that Sergio Canas was play, played for Liverpool at any stage. So um, that is that's, that, that was an interesting nugget. But he spoke about player workload, and I like the way that he kept it very unsalacious, if that is uh, if that is actually a word. So like there won't be any headlines written about what he said. He wasn't going to be dragged into the Sean Dyche um, argument with regards to it. Um, you know. Uh, I agree. I actually agree with both sides. I'm not usually very much a Fed sitter with regards to something like that. Uh, I know Paddy isn't, and if he was here, he would be. He would. He would interject at this moment in time um, with regards to the workload piece. But I, I can understand both sides' point of view with regards to it. Um, but Jared just came out and basically said, "Listen, look, he, he respects the tradition of Boxing Day, but players to have to play two games in twenty-four in forty-eight hours is something that he he thinks is uh, is a bit too much. And from my viewpoint, from a training viewpoint, from a game plan implementation implementation viewpoint, and from a general spectacle of what fans want to see, um, I don't think players should have to play in a in a forty-eight hour period either. Uh, just from this from the the, the genuine spectacle." Um, and I'd like to see players and teams be able to game plan in between games. If even if it's only walkthroughs for one for one training session on one day, um, that for me will be uh, will be a bit better. But he, he dealt with the situation very very well, and he spoke about it. And he also spoke. He was asked a, a bit of a curveball question as well with Stephen Gerrard about Tyrone Mings and the captaincy. And I can't remember who asked it, but I thought it was a there was a lot of layers to the question when he was asked. It was like in your initial presser, you were asked about Tyrone Mings. You said he was the captain for now, and you know he could have he could have had a massive misstep with, with, with the wording that he used in his answer, but he just brushed off the question. And that question, so so I mentioned that some questions are asked and they're asked and they're almost they're asked. To, to get to solicit an irrelevant answer, an answer that's very milk toast. This one was the question that was asked to solicit an, an actual banger of a headline, and he danced around it very, very well. And he mentioned that, look, Tyrone is the captain, but then he moved on to the fact that, listen, Tyrone Mings isn't going to be there at the weekend, and whoever comes in is going to have to do the job for him. We haven't decided who it's going to be yet, whether it's going to be Courtney House or, um, uh, or Axel Tunzebi, who may not even be here. Come uh, come four o'clock tomorrow, or come two o'clock tomorrow, um, depending on what happens between between United and and Napoli. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. So look, it's 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 just a couple of things like that that um 
you know, there was there was no real headline that came out of that press conference. I thought that that was I thought that was interesting, and uh, it's just good to see him back there, and it's good to see that we've got we've got him back in the dugout as well, and that there are no uh, further positive cases so far, and long may that continue. So, looking forward to the Brighton game. Um, obviously, when we played Brighton at the start of the season, we were hit by injuries, and 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 I think there was COVID at that stage as well. Um, when we played him earlier on in the season, Karen Chuck Moekic made his start. I think he was one of the, is he the youngest Aston Villa player to ever play in the Premier League or to ever start the game in, in the Premier League. There was something like that at the time. I don't have the statistics here in front of me. But uh, we did play them. Uh, there was a lot of upheaval just before the game. And uh, we we went and we saw how Brighton want to play the game and how, how they play the game in the championship. And they're going to move the ball around an awful lot between their back three. They're going to wait and be patient. They're going to play the balls down the wings. And, you know, they've got Ivan Tony up front is, is a formidable player. Yeah, he's gone a bit dry at the moment, but the partnership he has with Brian Mbwemo, who is very doubtful for tomorrow and may not actually play, although there's, they're, they're hopeful he will play, but it's a 50-50 cost, time cost at the moment. Um, but it's more so the partnership that Tony has with Mbwemo up there that makes things really, really difficult. The two of them run forever, and um, they're real team players, as we would expect from... Brighton strikers, because obviously we've got Ali Watkins who came from Brighton. You can see his work ethic. You see Neil Mope, who came from Brighton. You see his work ethic, you know, around the field. And maybe sometimes they suffer in the goal-scoring states uh, um, stakes for the effort that they need to put in. Um, but Ivan Tony, obviously, look what he's done in the lower leagues and um, is... You know, it, it can't be argued with and what he did last season in their promotion season. So it's somebody that we're definitely going to have to look at. But when you take when you take away the two strikers at the top, really, their 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 engine room is so 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 important for them. Their their back three, as I say, will take pressure off the rest of the team passing the ball around. So we're, we're passing around around between the three of them. Um, we're going to need to be very, very vigilant there. We're going to need to take our chances when when, when we get them. Um I have a sneaking suspicion we will try. We will catch the back three in possession tomorrow, and uh, maybe score a goal from it. I just have this this feeling that uh, we're going to press them like there's like there's no tomorrow, and we're going to get right high on them. But I think that that is dangerous as well because, as I mentioned, their their midfield three, their engine room in there, the likes of Onyeka, um, Baptiste, and uh, Christian Norgard, who is unbelievably important to that Brentford team. Um, Christian Norgay, he, like, outside of Brentford circles, he doesn't get an awful lot of um, kudos, I suppose, really. Uh, but he really makes everything tick uh, for them. He has just a couple of stats here. I have a couple of stats on him here. Like, he dev he's by far and away their best passer. He averages 38 accurate passes per match. Um. There's other he's their, their their best tackler in midfield as well. So he seems to be an all-rounder mid midfielder. He tackles a, he's 1.1.9 successful tackles per match, which is the best best of, of anyone in their team as well. Um he also is just back from suspension. So there is a yellow card in him. He's he's reached these five cards. Um, but uh, and he sat out the, the Man City game. Um so he is back for us uh, for the game against us, should I say. But he he's a very, very influential player for them. He also 
has created the second most amount of big chances for uh, for Brentford at three. So they, you know, while it's a, it's a low number, he still has created the second the second most um, big chances for them uh, this season. So he's he's definitely somebody that I, I think that we're going to have to be aware of. He plays in that pivot position just in front of the back three, and uh, he allows the likes of Yanlet if he if he is playing tomorrow to uh, to, to to kind of get around that midfield area along with Onyeka. And it's going to be in, um, it's it's going to be important, I think, for uh, it's going to be important for uh, for Aston Villa to do that. Uh, and yes, just as Lizanne has mentioned here, um, breaking news in the last couple of minutes that Fabrizio Romano has said that Napoli have reached a verbal agreement with Man United for Axel Tuanzebe for a loan until June, five hundred k loan fee, and he's gone essentially. So we won't see Axel Tuanzebe tomorrow. It's going to be Courtney House in there. Unless he springs a surprise and he plays Lamar Bogart or Sfinkles or bring cause up 16-year-old Josh Feeney, which, let's face it, ain't going to happen. He's just going to play a left footer in there, I think. He's going to play a left foot Courtney House in beside Kanza and um, that seems like it's going to be the case uh, the case tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for that, uh, Lisanne. I think it is Lisanne McCallion. Thanks for mentioning that to us. Um, he isn't going to be there. Tuanzebe is gone. So once again, that start up the rumor mill, guys, because it looks like there's going to be a centre half coming in through the doors in Aston Villa Football Club. We know we've been linked to Pau Torres and we know we've been linked to Joe Gomez. And um, Let's see who else we get linked to over the next few days. But uh, let's not get into transfers because we won't get, uh, it'll be 2023 by the time we're finished um, talking about those. Back to the Brentford game. Back to the Brentford game. Um, Brentford are missing quite a lot of players tomorrow. They're going to be missing Rico Henry. They're, going, they're potentially going to be missing Brian and Buemo. If Brian and Buemo doesn't start tomorrow, that is a big, big miss for Brentford because Brian and Buemo is the second highest goal scorer for them. He is uh, he is, has the most successful dribbles per match for Brentford. You know, so he is their main ball carrier, which is quite important for them. Um, he averages the third highest amount of shots per game uh, for them. Actually, the second highest. He's joined second highest with Sergio Canas um, shots per game for them as well. So he's, he's a very, very important player. Now, he does miss chances. So it's it would be naive of me to say that he's all-encompassing. He scored three goals this season, uh, but he does miss a big chance every now and then. But I prefer not to be facing him for the work that he does around the field, the field too, because he is really, really good at winning possession in that final third. So he's really good at pressuring, at, at pressing the, the defence and, and causing difficulties. And, and now that we know that Tyrone Mings isn't going to be there, now that we know that Axel Tuanzebe isn't going to be there, and we know that Courtney House is going to be in there, I would prefer Brian and Buemo not to be flying in and around him because, uh, look, we know that Courtney House's weakness at times can come from his feet. And uh, the more time that he would have on a ball and less pressure that he would have and less press that he would have up there, I think, is, is more beneficial for us. So if a, a lot tomorrow is going to is gonna hang on Brian and Buemo, whether he's fit or whether he's not fit. And at the moment, it's 50-50, probably skewing more towards him playing tomorrow. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what that holds um, for the for the, the team sheet tantrum, which we will be coming 
um, which we'll be coming to you with tomorrow uh, as well. Another person that they've lost, and they lost him early enough to injury, was Josh, Josh De Silva. Josh De Silva was very important for them. Yet another one of those metronomic midfielders that they have, and they seem to just really, really like midfielders who are busy, if that makes sense. Um, he's not going to be there. Obviously, they've lost David Rea in goals. Um, very, very highly thought of goalkeeper. Arsenal were chasing him big style before they went and signed Ramsdale. And uh, there's a couple of more, as I say. Vitaly Janlet may play, may not play. It's trending that he will be back. Uh, German under-21 international, very, very good player and uh, just a sta real steady influence, a destroyer in their midfield and somebody that would play, potentially potentially playing that double, piv double pivot beside Norgard there in midfield as well. Um, Christoph Ayer, another uh, uh, centre-half, uh, is touch and go whether he will be back. It's probably will be back for this game tomorrow. A uh, big, tall uh, defender signed from Celtic uh, during the off-season. Um, pretty decent at, with the ball, his feet and good in the air. Uh, he'll probably come in and take over the position from Sorensen there and make a back three of um, Ayer, Janssen and Ethan Pinnock there. Ethan Pinnock is, a, is very much a linchpin for them too. Ethan Pinnock does an awful lot of the game management from the back three as well. He is very much the 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 pivot part I, I don't want to call him a pivot person because of the, because of the fact that he's he, he plays in the back three but but he's the person that, that that will receive the ball an awful lot and try and get things going. So if we are going to catch somebody in possession, Ethan Pinnock may not be the guy. So it would be probably a good idea and I think that we would have seen it we've seen it before and we saw it at, at when he was at Leeds, maybe pushing the ball towards Pontus Janssen and, and trying to maybe stifle Pinnock so that he isn't the option for take to take the ball from the goalkeeper or from the, or when the ball is coming back from the fullbacks um in Kanos and Roroslev. Um, when the ball is coming back there, if we can maybe try and and and, and stifle Pinnock so that they have to take the option of Janssen or Ayer. Uh, that would be a good good point, I think, for, for Aston Villa to, to to focus on. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see the way that they set up. They they have a three five two formation, but you know nothing is like take the three center halves. The three center halves are going to play the way they're going to play, and, and whether they play a single pivot or a double pivot, if Jan lets in there uh, with Norgard, like their midfield, it, it doesn't really matter what formation they play. Their midfield three or the midfield five, whichever way they're going to set up, is, is really where Aston Villa are going to need to um, to pull up their bootstraps and, and, and to really get involved in there as well. And that brings me on to the Aston Villa team uh, itself because I think our midfield is definitely going to be the area where we're, we're going to see um, some talking points. We're going to have John McGinn back, which is very, very good. Uh, Douglas Louise. um Douglas Louis is is going to be in there. Uh, he had a good uh, New Year's Eve by the looks of things. Uh, he's he's going to be in there as well. And 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 I'm liking what Douglas Louise is doing under Stephen Gerrard. But then the next question is, who's going to be the opposite side of them? Are we going to see Sanson retain his place? Are we going to see Kenny Chukmueka come in there again? Uh, I don't think Chukmueka is going to be in, going to be in there. But are we going to see Jacob Ramsey? So that midfield three, whether it's a midfield three or whether they push maybe Ramsey further forward into the position that, he, that Ashley Young would normally take up. Um, does any Danny Ings start? Do we look to start Treore considering he is going to be going to the African Cup of Nations? Do we get get, get the last few minutes out of Treore for a couple of weeks? Because uh, we're not going to have him. Uh, likewise with Trezeguet, do we see those on the bench? Or do we 
not played him because they're coming back from injury and they're going after the AFCON. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the AFCON and how it's maybe people aren't taking it as as seriously as maybe maybe it, it, it deserves to be. I know there's a lot of talk about Watford. Not something I really want to get into. I don't have any opinion on it either way. Um, as I say, I started off this talking about COVID and, and Aston Villa. I want to see Aston Villa play in. I think I want to see Aston Villa play, but you know, far be it for me to tell anybody they can't go to uh, to, to the Afghan. Like it would be stereotypical of me to to start going either way on it here, considering everybody knows how we felt about Emmy Martinez and Emmy Bundia going away. So just basically pull our opinions from that, and that's what our opinion is going to be here. But it's not not the not the topic we want to talk about today. But will they be played? Will, are we allowed to play them? Can we play them in this game? Are they an option for us? So it's going to be a really interesting team sheet tantrum tomorrow. Um, because uh, I think a Bertrand Truro against this team would be very, very beneficial, and I would start. I, I, I would nearly start him, and I don't think I would start Danny Ings in this game tomorrow. And if, the reason being is that I just—it's just not working. I don't know why it's not working. Can't put my hand on it. Why it's not working? Can't put my hand on how to fix it. Dean Smith couldn't fix it. I, I like Steve, Ken Stephen Jarrett fix it. I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know what's what, what the situation is going to be there. Um, and, and Fred Red here says, Will Ings only get worse under Gerard? He seems to just be irrelevant to any of his plans. Feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for any player, you know. I don't, I don't feel bad for any any singular player in that instance. Um, Dan Ings is a, is a fine player. And he's going to. There's going to have some good moments at Aston Villa. And at the moment, it's not going. It's not going great for him. He came out. He started the season with two goals. Was it two goals? Or was it three goals? Um, and he's just, he, he's game against Everton. He was just absolutely fantastic. He ran the show, but he's been injured, and he's he's had a truncated last few weeks, and just things aren't going great for him. But there's nowhere near a sample size at the moment for us to turn around and say that it will never work. It he's only going to get worse. Um, two for two reasons because Gerard has only been here for however many games, and Danny Ings has been out for a lot of those games. So I think there's lots, a lot of story to be written there for this for this game tomorrow. I just I, I would start somebody with a bit of a sparkle like uh, like a Bertrand Traore maybe. Um, if I got the opportunity, I think Buendia does start. I think Buendia is is made for this game. Um, I think he's made to press on to that back three as I mentioned, and I think we'll see him very high up beside Watkins an awful lot. Um, and also, I think that he does have the work rate uh, to be able to, to to track back and to probably start on the right-hand side. So he'll likely be tracking back against the likes of uh, Canas, um, Sergi Canas as well, who is a very big creator for them. Um, but I think I think one of the biggest things in this game is that we, we're going to need options off the bench, I think, because we know how Brentford played against Manchester City. And they just made things really, really compact in the middle of midfield. Like there, uh, if any of you guys want to go on to who scored and look at it, they're, the way that they set up their, what you call it, map, their player position map is 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 absolutely hilariously compact in the middle of midfield. And then they just fire players over to the left-hand side. Uh, so they really just wanted to shut down that left-hand side. And... And they did, to all intents and purposes. They absolutely did. But I think Aston Villa are going to have to get cute to that. And Aston Villa are going to have to, going to have to be um, more aware, I think, of uh, of some of the situations that the Brentford are going to try and funnel them into. 
because with, with the five in the middle of midfield, the real aspect of, of having five in midfield is to funnel players and funnel the play into an area that you feel safe playing in, if, if that makes sense. And I, I, Villa weren't able to do that when we played three at the back. And that's the that's the beauty. That's that's the, I suppose, the underlying the underlying kind of philosophy behind three at the back is to is to be able to fund is, is compact the midfield but funnel the play into an area where it, you push it away from your goals and they did that to a greater extent they they soaked up pressure on the edge of their box i think they had something like 13 tackles on the left hand side between the box the the edge of their box and the end line and they had 12 tackles between the edge of the box and their end line and the, and the right hand side there's Oh, I think it was something like 16 tackles inside the box. So they invited an awful lot of pressure into it, towards their box. And, and and I think Aston Villa have the capability of doing that tomorrow. But Stephen Gerrard came into the into the league and he said he wanted to dominate possession. They may not be the exact words that he used, but he said he wants to be more of a possession-based team from memory. That's what I think he said. We haven't really shown that. I think tomorrow, if we do start to get a, get a, a foothold on the game, albeit that we are away, I don't think we're going to be able to win this game and win this game putting up if we are just to do it on the break. Um, because, as I say, they will funnel us down areas that we're not maybe not comfortable in going in, but more so they will funnel us into areas that they're comfortable putting us into, uh, if that makes sense. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. As games go, and I know we've lost two in Zabi now, but... Barred that, this is one of the games that we're kind of touching all the wood I have in my room. Um, touch wood. We won't have any scary surprises, and we should have who we have available for selection tomorrow. And it's been a long time since that's happened uh, to Aston Villa. Uh, it's been quite a few weeks since that has happened between injuries and COVID and whatever else. So I think the preparation for this game will be there. Uh, I think the... Uh, I, I think the will to come back and to show um, the will to come back and to kind of show that we are chomping at the bit is there because I think they'll be a bit pissed off that they didn't get to play Leeds. Um, granted that that, um, that Jared did say about the 26th and the 28th that you know that kind of playing playing within two days was not ideal but I think they'll be chomping at the bit to come back and to play this game. Um, he didn't seem very happy about the loss to Chelsea, which uh, and, and he kind of the way he spoke about that in the press conference, it was kind of a case that he he felt the players knew that they were knew what they did wrong is what he said. I know all managers say that, but he kind of conveyed a, a, a kind of uh, a, a view that it was there are no excuses and we did things that, that cost us goals. Which we did, and you know we're all of that opinion, and that that can't happen, and 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 I like to hear that. I like to hear that from him. So uh, hopefully we will be very prepared for this game. We've had a long, we will have had nearly six days to prepare for it, and uh, COVID-free. Hopefully, um, we will be able to see the best Aston Villa eleven out there tomorrow. Let's take a look at some of the comments there in regards to the game. Um, bum, 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 bum. Tunzebi needs to stay and Mings can go to Napoli. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that we'll bring in someone better than Axel Tunzebi uh, to replace him. Um, I, I just, I think that there's no smoke without fire when when you hear some of the names that are, that are being bandied about. Yes, I know that sounds a bit silly when you're talking about transfers, but um, 
I think we'll bring in somebody, at least somebody uh, of equal standard to Axel to Nzebi and uh, and I think we'll, we'll come in and we'll have a nice little stable of, of centre-halves there. Um, will McGinn be back? Yes. Uh, McGinn will be back tomorrow. Yeah, he's back in training. Well, he's back in training. Who knows what, what his match fitness is like, but I would envisage that, that John McGinn will be back tomorrow um, for sure. Um Brentford set pieces are the main threat. House to start to Nzabian for the last 20. Yeah, that was, I think that was before him, but that is a good point as well. Brentford are good from set pieces. Like uh, Christoph Eyer is an absolute mountain of a man back there. Pontus Janssen may not be the tallest, but he does get goals um, from headers, as we know in the in, in the championship. And, um, you know, Janlet is no shirt and violet either when he gets up there. He's a big man. You know, so they do have players in there that can get agricultural from crosses and from set pieces as well. Uh, for sure, and we know Thomas Franks likes to be very detail oriented with a lot of things like like uh, like set pieces and defending them, and also scoring from them. They're one of the teams that brought you know innovation from that point of view, specifically to the Championship, and have brought it through to the to the Premier League. I think they even have a sleep coach. Somebody mentioned that they have someone who coaches the players now to sleep. So I would imagine for sure is um, uh. Is something that, uh, that that they would be focusing on, and not something they would like to see uh, them lose goals from, uh, which makes us kind of trying to dictate the possession um, a small bit more pivotal, I think, for us tomorrow. Because if we are going to break in the counter, we're going to need to do it ultra fast, and I just don't know. I don't know. Have we shown a massive, massive ability to be able to do that so far this year? We did last year, but I, I don't know how we got that ability to break as fast as we as we need to to be that really really ruthless counter attacking team this season. Um, Matt also says Traore, Watkins, Bundia, Funtry. Yeah, I I I I've absolutely no problem with that tomorrow. No problem with Traore. I just don't know can we even play him. Um, I don't know what the what the rules are with regards to how short the runway he has before the Afcon. You know, just uh, I, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if we can play him. I would. I wouldn't be. I would be surprised to not see him get a lot of minutes tomorrow, if not start, if we're allowed playing. Uh, did I mention Brighton a couple of times? Did I call him Brighton as opposed to Brentford? I could have. I could have. I sent Paddy about 10 texts this morning about the Brighton game when obviously it is the Brentford game. So I am um, <laughs> I am very much uh, uh, making that mistake all morning. So I do apologize. Um, uh, so, guys, I don't think there's any much more to go through with regards to that. Uh, there is, um, for anybody who really wants to get into it and wants to look at at, at more in-depth stats and how they, how they play, if you, uh, and this is not an ad or anything like that. I just uh, It was just interesting this morning that Total Football Analysis um, have a free download of Game Week 20 uh, statistics, specifically of the Brentford and Man City game. And I just thought it was a, it was an interesting read with how they set up their player positions, where they made their tackles and everything. There's nice visual graphics on it. If anybody uh, wants to go on their site, you'll be able to download it. It's a really cool, uh, it's it's a nice breakdown. If that is your thing, it's a completely free download. Um, 
don't do anything for the podcast. But but I just thought it was quite cool if anybody has, has nothing to do for the rest of the day. There's a bundle of statistical information in there that you'll be able to to look at. And while they were under the cash for an awful lot of the game and it, and it may be totally relevant when we go to play them tomorrow, it is quite interesting just to just to see the amount of data that uh, the teams and that can be drawn from a game as well, if that's something that you're you're not uh, you're not as uh, as uh, au fait with uh, at the moment. But so that's going to do it, guys. Um, thanks so much, everybody, for checking in. Um, sorry if I kept on calling on Brighton through the whole lot of the podcast. I didn't. It didn't even register with me. But uh, we would be playing Brentford tomorrow, and uh, I am very much of the opinion that this should be a three point game for Aston Villa. Um, Provided we have all our players fit, healthy, and ready to go tomorrow, we will be back with a team sheet tantrum that will be happening at 12.50 tomorrow in lieu of the teams being announced. And until then, guys, thank you so much to everybody for listening and for watching. All that's left to say is Happy New Year to all of you out there. Anyone who's isolating, I hope that this has cheered you up a small little bit. Um, anybody who's out for a walk, I hope this has made you walk an extra step faster. Here's to a new great 2022, and here's to a good Villa performance tomorrow. And all that's left to say is up the Villa. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.